Welcome back to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. Today is Tuesday. It's the 8th day of October 2019. And although often it's not important for you to listen to episodes of this show in any particular order, this week I am going to encourage you to do that because my guest, John P. Clark, is laying out the the central tenets that are found in his book Between Earth and Empire. And we're going to kind of go in a, a fairly useful and logical order so that we can understand the totality of the problem before we talk about the solutions. So if you didn't hear yesterday's episode, it's only 10 minutes as always, so go back and get caught up and then uh, rejoin me here for Tuesday. John, it's great to have you back. Thanks for taking the time to do it. Thank you so much. I love to talk to you. I appreciate it a lot. We were talking yesterday about the Anthropocene versus the Necrocene, in other words, this this great age of of death of life here on Earth. And I brought up the term climate change just because of the week in which we're recording these interviews. And, and you very rightly pointed out that this problem is not just a problem of climate change, that there are many other boundary conditions that are being transgressed right now, many other indicators of why this is the Necrocene that are being transgressed and in many cases not spoken about. Can you say more about what you meant by that? There are a couple of brief readings that I often recommend if people would like to catch up on this and, and do it rather quickly. Uh, there's, there's a group called the Stockholm Resilience Center, uh, which is actually uh, a collaboration between many scientists who have done several articles that have appeared in journals like Science and Nature. And uh, they have a very brief text called The Safe Operating Space for Humanity, which is only about five pages, journal, scientific journal pages. They're kind of big pages, but it's a really brief article. And, and it summarizes the areas in which these uh, transgressions of planetary boundaries are taking place. They also did about a 15-page version called Planetary Boundaries. And I, I recommend both of those very highly. Uh, and the fact is, we, we're, we're in trouble in a lot of areas. They say that, you know, that each, each of these um, planetary boundaries is an area in which systemic change can take place quickly when boundaries are transgressed. And we're, we've already transgressed maybe three or so, and all, all of them are in danger of being transgressed. So they, they include biodiversity loss, sixth grade mass extinction kind of problems, also climate change, uh, some we've known about for a long time, like the ozone layer, loss of sources of fresh water, particulate pollution in the atmosphere, acidification uh, of the oceans, etc., potassium and nitrogen cycles. Uh, there, there, there are, as I said, eight, or, depending on how you separate cycles, about eight or nine planetary boundaries. This is what education should be about. This is what our culture should be about. Uh, One of our great losses from the decline, the destruction of indigenous society is that through most of the history of humanity, we lived in cultures of nature. We lived as part of the cycles of nature and people were very sensitive to changes around us. But now we live in a a very uh, self-contained kind of cultural world that in many ways is not in touch with the natural world. So my argument, and we're going to talk about community, I know, is that unless decision-making is reappropriated by the small community and uh, until education is reappropriated by the, the small, intimate, local community, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. So in a sense, we have to 
we have to regain what was lost in this break with the natural world, but we have to do it in a way that also allows us to collectively change the course of world history. Maybe I could say a word about that, because this is a question I've been thinking about a lot. In a certain sense, we're faced with, a you know, we're, we're going to talk about how the small community is so important, but the small community can't be separated from the, the global uh, world community, the earth community. We've had two world historical revolutions in the history of humanity, and one was the agricultural revolution that led to the rise of the ancient empires, the beginning of the title of my book from well, I'm sorry, the, the second part from Earth. The Earth part was the indigenous communities that were communities of nature. The break with those communities and the agricultural revolution led to the rise of empire. That was the first world historical revolution. The second world historical revolution was the industrial and technological revolution that gave us the modern nation state, modern capitalism, and, and what Mumford called the modern mega machine. So the institutions that we know now are a result of that first revolution, which created, you know, as an Angles formulation, the family state and private property, the patriarchal family, the, the imperial state originally and private hierarchical property. So our problem is this. We have to have a third world historical revolution. For the third time in the history of humanity, we have to have a radical change of direction in history. And this will have to be different from the other two because the first two were not done consciously and voluntarily. Humanity did not decide we are going to uh, destroy indigenous society, uh, create uh, an authoritarian hierarchical system and change ourselves so that we turn ourselves into voracious egos with infinite demands that cannot be satisfied. And as a result, we will destroy the biosphere. We never voted on that. We never decided it. We never did by consensus. So for the first time in human history, we have to make a conscious decision to change the course of history. And that's what the third revolution in, in, uh, in world history would be. That's what we're faced with. We're faced with either doing that or having global ecological collapse. I want to dive deeper into this, but there's only about two minutes left in today's episode. So I, I want to take those two minutes just to say that the kind of thing you're talking about is, as far as I can see, other than, you know, in the anarchist circles where I run, that kind of thing, but in, in any kind of mainstream discussion of how we deal with what's happening to our planet, it, that what you're talking about is absolutely unmentioned, as far as I can see. It's very frightening. Uh, people defend themselves against facing this. And uh, you know, one of the things I write about is trauma. Some friends of mine actually did a book on anti-catastrophism in which they said we, we shouldn't talk about catastrophe too much because people become disabled. They, they don't know what to do. They can't act. Well, in fact, not talking about catastrophe has resulted in a situation in which people are disabled. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do, and they don't know how to act effectively. I have a chapter on Hurricane Katrina and participating in our post-Katrina recovery communities in the book. It seems to me that our problem is that we, it's not that we 
have faced catastrophe and become disabled, it's that we've never really faced catastrophe. We've never looked at the momentous nature of our challenge. We've never looked at what's at stake and what can be lost and also what can be gained. And I, just to, uh, to balance this out, we're also not really facing the good that we have before us, the good possibilities, the possibility, you know, the possibility of what's called the beloved community uh, in the book. Somehow we defend ourselves against catastrophe, against what we fear, but we also, in a sense, defend ourselves against what we could achieve together. And we, we don't have the courage to face how good the world could be if we could achieve that kind of community. But sometimes we're forced into it, like in, in, in post-Katrina period in New Orleans, by force of necessity, we had to work together. We had to practice solidarity. We had to actually experience compassion on a level that we don't ordinarily need to experience compassion. So that a lot of things that are repressed in us were expressed. That's where we're going to draw to a close for today, but we're going to All dive right. right back in uh, along these same lines on tomorrow's okay. show. My guest is John P. Clark. Uh, he is the author of Between Earth and Empire, which I think is essential reading for the era in which we find ourselves. Uh, you can find it at pmpress.org, and I encourage you to do that. It's also a, a great press that, that publishes lots of essential work like this uh, and other uh, books of John's and books uh, – like Black Flags and Windmills, which talks about the Katrina organizing that John's mm. mentioning and for which he wrote the introduction to the second edition. You can find this show at abriefchat.com where you can also become a sustaining member. Uh, you know, yes, I guess it's a it's it's capitalism, but, you know, it, hopefully in its least noxious form, you give me a little money and I keep making conversations that you enjoy listening to. And, and you know, I can't accept your chickens over the Internet. So that's as close as we're going to be able to get. Uh, so go to abriefchat.com, find the show there, support it if you so choose. And uh, if you don't have the money to support it that's fine everybody's welcome but maybe you could use a little of your social capital to tell some friends about it and that would really be uh, helpful as well i love you a better world is possible